Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Record this. We did record this week. Yeah. Because I'm super yeah. sleepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of back to our normal routine now. And oh my God, it took me probably two and a half, three days to like recoup from our trip. Um, I felt very just brain dead for about three days. Um, so I finally feel kind of normal again. <laughs> and it's, um, it is hot here. It's so um, I keep hearing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's been storming like crazy. Every day here been thunderstorms and stuff like that since um I don't know, since middle of last week. We had a really good thunderstorm the other day. My best friend came over and we were hanging out on my front porch watching it and it was one of those thunderstorms that like doesn't move. So it was just like over my house oh. for like over like an hour and a half. And like the rain was like it wasn't pouring but it wasn't sprinkling. Like it was just nice steady like soothing rain and it was mm. coming straight down so like we could sit on the porch cuz like there wasn't wind blowing it onto the porch. Like it was it was a really beautiful thunderstorm. I don't um, know of this precipitation that you speak of. <laughs> it made it very mm. very wet. Like my husband tried to put in a new mailbox yesterday and like the concrete wouldn't set because like our ground is so wet. <laughs> like, oh dang. Yeah. Our concrete sets really fast here yeah i mean normally it does but it's just been very it's been very humid and very wet it's like it's been so rainy that in the mornings like when we wake up it's like we're living in a cloud it's so foggy and like humid oh whoa that's yeah. crazy no yesterday was 100 today is supposed to be 110 which kills me because i'm like it's the beginning of september like i don't just... we're at 83 <sighs> currently so it's not too bad I am also it, at 83, been... but I am three hours behind you. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be hot today. <laughs> it's It's been really nice here because like the weather, because it's been only in the 80s, like the dogs, like all summer long, they were like laying underneath the deck and stuff like that, obviously trying to like stay cool and like, yeah. which I would bring them in when it got like super hot out. Like they were never outside when there was like a heat advisory or anything, but they would like just notoriously lay under the deck. And like lately, like just the past week or so, I've noticed them all like laying on the deck and like in the yard. And I was like, this is interesting because <laughs> they're loving this weather. Mm. Yeah. I know. I'm kind of freaking out with the heat advisory just because, you know, I have my outdoor cats and it's been nice because I've been home this week. So I just like leave the door to my she shack kind of cracked open. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because they'll come in here in the middle of the day and just like lay on the ground, just like is hot outside and they'll they'll pass out for a while so that's been pretty cute so i apologize if you hear crazy noises in the background like currently one of the kittens is playing with a, um a little felt mouse and he is running into everything so i want to go back and listen to the episodes where like the puppies were in the background because they were living <laughs> in my office with their babies i know they were so little they were so little and now mumu oh my god I swear he's like 140 pounds now. Is he really? Jeez. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, he's my huge. kittens I, are probably gonna get 10 to 15 pounds. So yeah. I just had to buy Mumu. <laughs> I just had to buy Mumu a new cage because like he's figured out how to bust out of his current one. <laughs> oh no. And like his current one only has like one latch on it. So he was like busting out of either the top or the bottom of the door. 
which is crazy because again he's huge <laughs> so yeah. we have like carabiner clips on like both the top and the bottom now and so he can't get out now but like his cage door is like rounded because he like pushes <laughs> it he's like yeah and it's like yes he does eat things off the counter when he gets out but otherwise like he's not that bad like he ate some of connor's slime one day when he got out but Ooh. like when we get home he's typically just like laying on the kitchen floor like just waiting is so proud of himself like just he's Ugh. like hey mom and like just so proud of himself like on the floor and then he'll be like super well behaved like laying on the living room floor if we're all just sitting in the living room watching tv like he's something else i feel like you're gonna have to mute me when i'm not actually talking because there's so much noise happening right now i don't it know makes if you, can you feel hear any it. better i can't hear it <laughs> If you can't hear it, we might be okay. But I'm just like, there's like boxes and papers being rustled around and I can't hear it. Kitten squeaks and they're being ridiculous right now. It's pretty funny. Uh yay, being pet owners. Right. No. <laughs> uh, oh my god. I know. Like, so we've got because it's September, so we've got a couple of things coming up. So this weekend, if you're listening to this live and um which it should come out Tuesday, Saturday, September 10th. We're doing Addison's for our monthly CE. So if you're, if you want to join us, especially if you're in, in the membership, remember it's free for you guys. Um, it's part of the membership. If you're not in the membership, you can always join us. Um, there is a fee associated, but you know, if you talk to us nicely, we'll, uh, we can definitely apply it towards the membership if you choose to do so. Mm-hmm. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be fun this weekend though but we're talking bacteria again this week (laughs) this is the last one i promise next week is something different (laughs) i know jordan and i are like nah more bacteria so if you love bacteria um please talk to us because we we are friends of the bacteria yes doing the notes i'm like it's just a little redundant like all the bacterias are very 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 (laughs) similar you're like cool yeah they're all very important this week we're going to be talking uh salmonella uh which i'm certain we're gonna soapbox on something i know i'm like (laughs) i wonder what we'll talk about no idea but the times that we see salmonella yeah so anyway it's technically salmonellosis um which is an infection of the salmonella species bacteria and there's many different types of course, as per most bacteria. Right. Uh, <laughs> Many species of yeah. salmonella. Yep. Um, and actually, we were going to talk about Clostridium too, but I kind of made an executive decision to remove <laughs> that <laughs> because it falls along the same... Like, it was supposed to be in this episode with salmonella, and I was like, it's, like, the, same, like, it's the same process. <laughs> Um, but Clostridium, C. diff, and Campylobacter and Salmonella are the four most common um, bacteria in canine and feline that cause diarrhea, mm. uh, which I find funny because, again, all the notes on all of these, like we talked about Campylobacter, we're talking about Salmonella, I was going to do Clostridium, um, and it's it's just the same across the board. Like, they do commonly cause bacteria or i mean cause diarrhea but like it's hit or miss on if it does (laughs) yeah um but anyway what salmonella is it's a gram negative bacteria it's modal non-spore forming uh aerobic bacteria 
that belongs to the family. I'm going to butcher this. It's Enterobacteriaceae. Enterobacteriaceae. That's a lot of vowels. That is really that is Enterobacteria, and then it's like C E A E. I love when we try to like say these like species like names and we're just like I don't know anyways it's like it's almost every word. other letter is a vowel <laughs> it is. 10 vowels in that word oh my gosh 10 vowels okay all right <laughs> all right delete um anyway so salmonellus is an organism that can infect or be isolated from many different mammals birds reptiles and insects i like that they included like birds in the variety of animals like versus just being like it can affect many animals and birds <laughs> like, well i th- i feel like a lot of people forget that birds fall into that category of animal um and and it's like you know are bird people that have dogs and cats um but most of the times it's like dog and cat owners and bird owners and then reptile owners like it's usually i'm intrigued by the far and few between when you have like all of those in one house yeah i mean i think when i had a bird i had a snake yeah but see you are like a crazy vet tech person so yeah you have a lot of animals i don't think you count as like the normal pet owner i really hope i don't count as a normal pet owner um anyway i'm intrigued by the insects portion though like i guess i didn't realize that insects can carry salmonella but i'm sure it's because they eat the poop of all the other animals <laughs> like well and and not only that but like if they're walking through it like they probably just pick it up on their feet or like a fly picks it up on their feet and then deposits on you know whatever gross (laughs) uh but i don't like flies (laughs) oh my god we had the biggest spider on our front porch so that night i was watching the thunderstorms um it was like we we noticed a web and my friend was like oh man i was like well there's nothing in it i was like so we'll just leave it be or whatever and then like all of a sudden like five minutes later this huge orange spider comes down in in the middle of it and my and connor like freaked out and he like grabbed a golf club and like broke the bottom half of the web and i was like no 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 just leave it it's eating the bugs like it's fine or whatever and he was like i don't like spiders and like so he just he left it alone well the spider didn't like it and like no joke when i say like it folded up its web and like went back up to my roof like it <sighs> legit like bundled up what was left of its web and it was like my son only messed up like the bottom part of it where it connected to my porch so it's like it like legit like folded up the web like you would fold up a like fitted sheet like it was just like <laughs> it was like Ugh, yeah i worked hard then, on that <laughs> yeah and so we thought for sure it would be gone because he just like disappeared but then we went out on the front porch yesterday i was like oh my god he's back <laughs> like, <laughs> exact same spot new web like he's ready to go he's like leave my web alone yeah he caught he caught a fly yesterday last night when we were out front um letting the dogs play and uh, nice. man it was like he was it was a big enough spider that you could see him eating the insect. Yeah. Ooh. Nope. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to salmonella. Um, <laughs> it is one of the most common causes of like foodborne disease in humans. And then it does transmit to dogs and cats, which is obviously why we're talking about it. But technically, clinical 
salmonellosis in dogs and cats is pretty rare. Um, but of course the, the incidences of clinical, like, and when I say clinical, I obviously mean like pets who are exhibiting clinical signs. Um, it's going to be higher in puppies and in dog kennel populations. Uh, and of course, here's where we're going to get a little like, little soapboxy. Sorry, guys. I know. I'm trying not to be judgy, but obviously the prevalence of salmonella is going to be so much higher in those pets that are fed raw diets. It says dogs, but cats too. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, like, there's been like, there's been studies that link salmonella specifically to raw diets. Um, So I, I don't think this isn't just a soapbox thing. This is, there, there's science behind it. I mean, um, it makes sense. Humans get salmonella when we eat undercooked food. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but like when they eat a normal commercial diet, it's typically a heat-treated commercial diet uh, or like even a homemade diet. Uh, they're less likely to get salmonella. But of course, if they're eating a homemade diet and it's undercooked meat or egg it tends to be the most common cause of salmonella or E. coli too, but I don't want to talk about E. coli. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and then, interestingly enough, it's funny because my cousin, my cousin called me the other day and she was at the pet store. And she's like, what can I get for Sandy to chew on? And I was like, and she was like in this aisle. And so uh. pet treats, things like dried pig ears have been um, identified as a source of infection. Yeah, I was gonna. I was trying not to say common, but like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's but not yeah. common, but it is definitely a source of infection. Yeah, Kenzie um, asked me if she could get pig ears. I was like, don't. She's like, what about pig hooves? I was like, don't. <laughs> I was like, can you just get out of that aisle? And go get a nylon bone. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so typically, what happens? Obviously, the pig ear thing isn't going to be as much of an issue for cats. I bet you there's a cat out there that chews on pig ears, though. Probably, because cats are weird. Cats are weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing. is like, not every single animal that it, eats a pig ear or eats, like, some of these byproducts. By the way, just in case anybody forgets, pig ears, hooves, all this stuff, the snouts, the, the tails, the pizzles, the whatever, that's all byproducts. Mm-hmm. So people are paying extra for the byproducts as a treat, but freak out when those byproducts are in their food. Anyways, that's a whole that's a whole other soapbox. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. I mean, I don't think that's one I've heard from you before. But oh, I like it. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I worked in I worked in a pet store for a hot second, and and it just yeah. So did Matt. It was it was interesting when we first moved to South Carolina. His first job down here, like he just grabbed any job he could get, and it was at PetSmart. Oh, how funny! <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, obviously I was a vet tech at the time, so he would get customers that would come in and be like, "I want some pig ears," or "I want this type of bone," and he'd be like, "No, my wife says no." <laughs> like, <laughs> no, my wife says no. <laughs> That's not a good choice for you. <laughs> not a good choice. But I mean, like, some animals are going to be totally fine. But the problem is, like, if they're not okay, like. We'll talk. I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this, like the patients Period. that should not have yeah. any of this stuff. So, I mean, we've kind of already touched a little bit on it, that it is more common in puppies and mm-hmm. kittens. And those are the dogs that are going to these stores and getting their new treats for the first time. Yeah. Like, uh, but what happens is typically after ingestion, um, the bacteria will like 
colonize, of course, in the digestive tract. And then it will invade the enterocytes and tonsillar lymphoid lymphoid tissues. And then it multiplies in there. Um, Yeah. And then so when there's uh, when the bacteria is actually able to get into the lamina propria, it contributes to gut damage, which then leads to diarrhea. Right. And this could be this could be long term diarrhea. Yeah. Because if it causes damage, then it takes a while for things to heal. So, um, well, that, and like the key word is that, like it, it essentially like penetrates, right. Yeah. The layers of the bat, like of the gut. And yeah. so like, it's not overly simple to get rid of. So like, if your pet is, if your pet or a pet is infected by salmonella, although rare, like it sucks for the pet, like it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. <laughs> um, and so typically our clinical signs are going to be kind of what we, what we would expect, right? Like we're, we do expect to see diarrhea, which could get bloody. We expect vomiting. Sometimes we can see fever, anorexia, weight loss. And then even to go even further, um, we can see some nasal discharge. We can see some paresis of the hind limbs, which is crazy. That's Um, crazy to me. And then abortion too, of course, we got to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, Because remember, these are bacteria. So it's not, it like bacteria does a lot of stuff if it's you know, an overabundance of bacteria. Like that's, that's what it is. Like if, as long as the immune system can fight it off and it's no big deal, then, you know, you can see these dogs and cats that are totally asymptomatic, no big deal. But it's like, yeah, if their immune system can't tolerate it and can't fight it off, that's when you get these, these clinical signs that we're talking about that are, you know, it's sepsis, it's bacterial infection. Yep. Um, and that's, that's scary. Cause I've definitely seen septic patients from salmonella and some of these other bacteria that we've talked about that, that are related to food well, or that's just the thing. other things. So that's the thing too, right? Like we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but like we see it. So although it is rare for it to actually present with clinical signs, like if it does present with clinical signs, it's mostly in puppies and kittens, right? But it also can happen in adults that have their bodies undergoing stress due to like some other concurrent disease, right? Mm -hmm. They're immune compromised. So these pets that are being fed raw diets, like, yes, while they are fine for most of the, most of the time, that moment that their body starts trying to fight something else, that salmonella just takes over and wreaks havoc. Yeah. And that's what I think people don't understand. They're like, well, I've already been feeding it for a year. So like, what's it matter? Like my dog's been fine. Like, Well, and maybe for a year, most of the batches weren't contaminated. Yeah. But then you get like the one batch that's contaminated. Like that's the, that's the thing people don't get. Like it's not. But even the dogs who eat a contaminated batch, but don't like show signs, like they still like that bacteria doesn't just go away. Like it can Still start stew. multiplying stew yeah. yeah and it can still shed in those pets like and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more but like it does it does shed in these pets despite the fact that like they're not showing clinical signs which is the main thing right and then they're mm. just recontaminating themselves most of the time because fecal oral ingestion can lead to salmonella mm. issues too a, a lot of these patients not a lot of these patients because again rare but uh pneumonia can be a issue with these patients so again we have we can mm. see nasal discharge it can lead to pneumonia and then typically with our cats that are affected with salmonella can i said affected infected <laughs> with salmonella 
can present with conjunctivitis, which makes me wonder those kittens that we see that we think are just like herpes virus kittens <laughs> or like really salmonella. Um, or some other bacteria that could cause it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So fecal shedding can't like pets do have like naturally occurring infections of salmonella, but fecal shedding can last for at least six weeks and can persist longer due to like just harboring the organism in the lymph nodes. So again, like I said, mm. it doesn't, doesn't just go in the body, get destroyed and go away. Like it just, it just finds a place to hide in the lovely lymph nodes. And it's like, here I am. Mm, lovely. Yeah. Um, but of course, well, and so the risk too is to humans, right? Because like we know it's zoonotic. So because these patients are harboring salmonella, like they can shed it and then it's linked to illness in humans living in the same house as these shedding pets. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Sweet. I mean, it's not crazy. It's like expected, but like when we actually start talking about the details of it, we're like, it always makes me wonder what I have harbored in my body that I don't even know about. Worms. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Thanks for putting that in my brain. We've already talked about this, that there's like studies of like Ugh. people having hookworm infections actually being like healthier than the normal, the normal non-infected person. Yeah, I still don't like them. I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled if I like saw a worm come out of me. Oh God. Okay. Nope. We're going to stop right there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about diagnostics now for salmonella. <laughs> well, we skipped differentials, but that's because like, I didn't put anything for differentials because it's our typical GI stuff. Like it yeah. could be parasites. It could be a virus. It could be bacteria. <laughs> it could be a diet change or dietary indiscretion. Like yeah. it could be a foreign body. Diagnostics. I mean, this goes back to like what we've talked about the last couple of weeks where the likelihood of someone actually testing for this if their pet is non-clinical is slim, right? Especially because they're non-clinical. You're not just going to walk into a vet clinic and be like, test my dog's poop for someone else. I mean, some might for sure. Some people would and we go, "Mm, no. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of times the diagnostic tools are going to just be based on clinical signs. Um, a bacterial culture and repeated positive cultures should be done, especially when there are no signs of disease. Hmm. Um, I'll, so essentially, which is again, mind blowing. And this is probably why we don't diagnose it very often because diagnosis technically is made by repeating, isolating this bacteria from feces, not just by like a single positive test. Like you, shouldn't mm-hmm. be saying that your dog has salmonella just because it showed up positive once that's weird like it needs to be repeated and and we'll kind of talk about why and and we can we can diagnose this on feces we can diagnose it on blood we can diagnose it on tissue specimens so again if you have like lymphadenopathy or something like that and we do like a biopsy of the lymph node sometimes you can see salmonella in it so repeating a positive test with the presence of clinical science will get you a true diagnosis of salmonellosis. Um, one-time isolation, so one-time positive tests from feces without clinical signs uh, typically is recommended to resample to determine whether the pet is a carrier, like a chronic carrier of salmonella. Mm. Um, but like I said, it, it's not something that you can definitively make a diagnosis of salmonellosis on just based on one test 
So there's a couple different tests that we can do. We've kind of already talked about them in the last couple of weeks, but fecal cultures are always a possibility. And they, for salmonella specifically, they do tend to lack sensitivity, um, especially in those animals that are like repeatedly infected uh, or that are like subclinical carriers, because they do tend to shed like very low numbers of bacteria. And it's, it's off and on, like one bowel movement might have bacteria in it and the next doesn't. Mm. Um, and, and the number varies. So like one bowel movement can have a lot of bacteria in it versus like the other one can have just like a few. So fecal cultures aren't always the greatest, um, PCR testing. We've, we've talked about this. I, I do love PCR testing. So they're just expensive, but they are highly sensitive. And those ones are, are typically what's going to be recommended for those patients that we think have low bacterial load. So those patients that are just mildly clinical, like it might be those like soft, those like chronic soft stools. Mm. Um, now that being said, the PCR test does, um, like it does flag those like non-viable bacteria. So again, a positive result shouldn't be considered like a true diagnostic of infection. Weird. Okay. Right. Um, <sighs> there is serology testing for this. And this, the serology testing is definitely geared more towards like cattle and farm animals mm. and stuff like that, because like you can, um, it'll identify specific antibiotic bodies in serum or milk. So again, cows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is becoming like a, a more widely used diagnostic tool. And like they use it a lot for like surveying and like and making like a control program on like farm animals and stuff like that. Um, but they are they can be difficult to interpret like in individual animals just because like if you receive a seropositive dog or cat, then they actually might not any longer be infected by the time you get the result. So again, wow. good for good for cattle and like herds of things, but not really good for our just basic dog and cat. Crazy. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those things where it's like testing is obviously tricky for it. And then, um, <clears throat> there is with the serology testing specificity is there ish. Like it's. So there's issues with the specificity of yeah. it. Yeah. A lot of the positive results actually tend to be false positives with serology testing. That's annoying. I love tests, but I also kind of hate tests. <laughs> right. You, you love tests that work, but tests like all of these <sighs> for salmonella, you're like, okay, well then and like, if I was on the other end, right. Like if I was a client and someone was trying to recommend these tests to me and like, I received all of this information, which we don't typically give to a client. Yeah, so like, no, unfortunately, which they don't do to humans either. Like, no, know? God, no. And so it's just like, if I knew all this, I most definitely would not test my dog. <laughs> like I would just be like, nah, let's just assume it's there. Let's treat it. If it's treatable, which we'll talk about treatment here in a minute. Yeah. Um, because right? Like we're not going to treat those dogs that aren't symptomatic for it. Right. Like, yeah. Because, uh, because of course, like, this is where we need to like, kind of have really good communication with our clients. Right. Like if for some reason we do a fecal PCR and it shows up positive for salmonella, there are going to be people who are like, Oh my God, that can transmit to me. And I don't want that. So let's treat my dog for it. But like, if we give antibiotics to a pet without clinical signs like then we increase the risk of resistance and we definitely don't want a resistant salmonella 
No. Um, so antibiotics and supportive care are going to be indicated for animals that do have systemic signs or are even showing septicemia. Um, right. Because like we want to treat that. We want to treat the sepsis. And so therefore we are treating the salmonella, but we don't want to just treat salmonella. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess that's like, we've talked about like antibiotic stewardship a little bit. It's, yeah. it's being, it's being responsible. Right. And, and just making sure that if we are going to treat that we treat appropriately for the appropriate length of time using the appropriate drug. Cause then if not, then that's when we get like the resistance and like, you know, the carriers and, and all that stuff. So it's, it, and it's hard because you want to give the antibiotics until it's gone, but it's like, when do you know it's gone? Like that's the hard part, right? Repeat testing. But then it's like, but is it a low load? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so, so it's like that yeah. weird fine line. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think for salmonella specifically, it's hard, right? Cause like treatment isn't continued for very long. It's not like a lot of the things that we talk about where treatment six weeks, right? This is treatment is suggested for up to six days. Like so crazy. So essentially you're going to be retesting after day three of antibiotics, right? Cause we want to test before we finish the antibiotics before we run out, but we like, it also doesn't seem like a long enough period to consider mm. realistic testing, you know? So it's, it's yeah. one of those fine lines. But again, trying to find those, cl- those clients who are going to retest with a PCR that is $300 is like. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's like veterinary medicine, right? It's you hope they have insurance so you don't have to worry about finances, <laughs> but, but realistically, then, not everybody does. Realistically, would an insurance company would a re- would a insurance company think that testing every week a fecal PCR is necessary? It is if the doctor recommends it. I know. I just feel like there would be some sort of fine line pushback on it, kind of thing. You know. I think it depends on the insurance company, Jordan, oh, and oh, that's a sure. whole other soapbox <laughs> we can get into. <laughs> I I have zero interest. Like I occasionally will spit out that that type of question, but I actually have zero interest in trying to figure out what insurance company like because like it's a bummer because like while they are there to help the pet like there's still that skewed view of like they still hold back when they have the ability to continue helping <laughs> like and they find those lines where they can cut you off you know again depends on the insurance company for sure yeah. for sure yeah i mean and and i think and that's it's it's hard because we talk a lot about like the gold standards of treatments and diagnostics and stuff like that and and the you know reality is not everybody can do all those diagnostics and treatments and things and so but you know it's that informed consent thing because it's like you know if they are offered these things and the client declines it well then that's that's one thing if they're off they should be offered these things so that they can either accept or decline Versus if we never offer these things, like, and then they find out there was something else, you know, there's that whole weird area of... That's true. I mean, like, you know, re- realistically, like, we uh, we should be, you know, 
telling them what gold standard is. So we should. Well, be and when we say we, tests. I should say this. When we say we say we, I'm I'm talking veterinary medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And this is <laughs> doctors that are usually having this conversation. But you know, it's good for us to have that in the back of our head to know what the gold standards are because it's it's one of those things where I don't know if you did this, but. I almost like there was, there were times where like, I would create two or three yeah, absolutely. like estimates that would be like, this is our gold standard. This is everything that's recommended. If you can't do this one, you know, there's this, which is a little pared down or this one that's pared yeah, down. Yeah. So it's, we, we did stuff similar to that. We would do yeah. what gold standard was. And if someone was like, no, like, there's no way I can do that. We would always say, what, what can't like, what, tell me what your budget is. And we will make this estimate fit within there. Yeah. Like we will take out the things or we would number the testing yeah. and put them in order of like importance. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we really, 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 really recommend this one. This one, eh, eh, you know. Yeah. This is what Gold Standard wants it, us man. to do. But like, <laughs> yeah. We could probably get away with just doing this test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. I feel like uh, we could do a whole episode just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um treatment of salmonella though does uh tend to stick with some of like our trimethoprim sulfonamide uh combination antibiotics tend to be the most effective and then alternatively alternatively i'm speaking so fast um (laughs) ampicillin for fluoroquinolones and then like our, our cephalosporins do tend to also work for these antibiotics and again like i said treatment is only typically continued for up to six days Yeah. And I think it'll depend to like how these patients are doing, like, you know, what, what is, do they have pneumonia? Do they have like all these other things that could be concurrently going on? Yeah. Do they have lymphadenopathy and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think our client communication kind of, it's going to be the same as last week, right? It's going (laughs) to stem as all of our GI stuff. Yeah. Same as anything that involves bacteria, because it's going to stem around cleaning up after your pet, wearing mm-hmm. gloves, washing hands, picking up, you know, picking up poop, try not to put poop in your mouth. Like it's just cook food fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I really think that client communication is really just going to stem around. Like if the pet was diagnosed with salmonella, please stop feeding pig ears or raw diet or whatever was being done. I mean, I am definitely not an A plus pet parent like I my dogs most definitely eat off my kitchen table as well Mm. that is my husband's doing he spoils Finn specifically (laughs) (laughs) shared ice cream cake with him last night and I was like stop it (laughs) oh my god that's (laughs) he's really bad so I mean like yes my dogs do eat like chicken and steak and things like that um knock on wood my cats yeah. like to uh, find random things as well. So, yeah. And whose fault is that? Ours, because we don't keep it off the counter. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scotty ate, um, what did he eat yesterday? He ate crazy bread from oh, <laughs> some pizza that we ordered. Oh, no. Like, no joke, Scott's favorite food is pizza. Like every time we order pizza, for some reason, like we let him in the house, like forgetting that he loves pizza. Like he mm. is like a Ninja Turtle. He loves pizza so much. Um, and baby, so like, baby cat thinks popcorn is the best thing ever. Cause you can play with it and eat it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Scott, yeah. we ordered one time, like no joke, the two largest pizzas I, I've ever seen in my life. And he ate one of them entirely. Like it was oh, untouched God. by us. We walked out to the garage or something for like to do something with the chickens. And we came right back in and Scott had eaten the entire pizza. So yesterday, knowing how much he loves pizza, I put the pizza box on top of the fridge. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then I guess like Matt got it back down and like Scott only got the crazy bread out, didn't get any of the pizza. I was like, man, and he's the one who, <laughs> he is the one who does get diarrhea anytime he eats something foreign. And I'm like, dang uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, dogs and cats. Ah, being a pet owner. So fun. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say cautions for salmonella is going to be just washing hands because it is zoonotic. I mean, that's just one of those things. And if you do have a patient in hospital that is a potential salmonella positive, like we don't know yet, we're still testing. Just make sure that we're doing some isolation protocols. So making sure, you know, you have the sign up on the cage and, and this is for any of the, the other bacteria we were talking about and making sure that we're being really diligent about cleaning and, you know, having um, garbage and laundry there. So it's not, you know, getting into everything else. So it's just, and, and if you're walking them outside, pick up after them. So you don't just leave yeah. the salmonella poo <laughs> in, your, you have a, in your kennel area. <laughs> if you have a pooper scoop or two, like clean that after you're done. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like, Good call. Yeah. I mean, luckily, salmonella is pretty easily like killed. Like, yeah. a lot of household cleaners like yeah. are made specifically like for salmonella. Like, I know, right? Like the <laughs> one that, that everybody thinks of chicken, salmonella. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it's what you spray your kitchen counters down with. Like just spray out your, your pooper scooper and like, yeah yeah so and um, even at work right like mm-hmm. making sure that we're disinfecting our our pooper scooper at work so properly educate clients or pet owners on the risk of salmonella before Ooh, they go out yeah. and buy their pig ears or pig hooves and stuff and just like and you be yeah be honest and be like it might not affect your pet like if they do get salmonella but they could still shed it even if they're not clinically affected um and yeah just educate clients around that kind of stuff there are safer options out there so it's the tip of the week yeah well and i mean that's also one of those things like if the if those treats are contaminated with salmonella like and you give it to your pet like you've just handled it so now it's on your hands as well well, or that, it's like on your carpet away, yeah or and, you know and it's like gooey and ugh, gross yeah, when you take it away from your pet i mean yeah. yeah yeah i mean you are completely right like i'm certain i've probably come in contact with someone else so many times just because of like i mean i have chickens of course i've come in contact with salmonella i do wash my hands a lot after handling their eggs and stuff <laughs> but <laughs> it's so still funny. it's still a thing If we could get any special guest on our podcast, who would you mm. want and why? We don't do guests very often, so I'm just curious. That's a good one. Yeah. You might not want to hear from us anymore. That's true. <laughs> I think the people who don't want to hear from us anymore, though, probably aren't listening to this. They're not listening. Yeah, that's probably yeah. a really good point. But the rest of you guys apparently like us, even if we are a little bit on the crazy side. It's fine. A little bit. is a very. And nice. now for the oh, question of the week. You're welcome. <laughs> That's the co- best compliment I've received today. <laughs> <This is great. laughs> anyway, 
All right. Well, cool. That's it for our bacteria run. I'm I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I am ready to talk about some. I'm actually fairly excited about next week's episode. Is that refeeding syndrome? Oh, nice. It's, it's just like kind of dipping back into nursing care and stuff. So I think I like talking about that more than I like talking about bacteria that may or may not affect your pet. <laughs> like, right. If I'm okay. being honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, nice. guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate everybody's ears and, uh, you know, putting up with us. So please let us know if there's anything specific you want to hear about, any specific specific special guest you want us to try to get on here. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, and we will talk at you guys next week. Bye. Have a good week. Bye. Pet. <laughs> right. If I'm being way. honest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, nice. guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate everybody's ears and, uh, you know, putting up with us. So please let us know if there's anything specific you want to hear about, any specific specific special guest you want us to try to get on here. That would be interesting. Yeah. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.